the Spud Goodman Radio Show. And here is the studio orchestra of the Spud Goodman Show, sartorially regaled in sequined jumpsuit and cantilevered pompadour, the world's only accordion-playing Elvis impersonator, Accordion Joe. Here comes the Spud Man, he goes down easy. He calls to you, who the social outcast. Yes, you who are rejected. He wants you, he needs you, he loves you. Here comes the Spud Man, he goes down easy. Here comes the Spud Man. It's the Spud Goodman Show. Let's get ready. Rumbo! And here he is, the head cheese meister. It's Spud Goodman. Greetings and our hola, amigos. My name is Spud Goodman. Spud Goodman. And I will be your pilot here for the next 59 minutes. You may experience, you know, a bit of turbulence, but I promise to land this thing successfully at the end of the hour. You can hold me accountable if I fail and and crash the show, but I just don't see that happening. So let me, you know, acknowledge our designated laugher, my Aunt Dorothy. Uh, Give the listeners a short sample of your skill (laughs) set. Oh, was that okay? um, Yeah. Uh, Can you try to, you know, be a little less enthusiastic? Um, just take it down a notch. As less is more. All right? Just, just, oh, just a... I bet I'm trying. Just, just a tip. Uh, also with us is our temporary permanent co-host, Gerald Holcomb. Um, you can tip your cap, or, or, or a nod will suffice, I guess. Yeah, well, you know I never wear a cap. Uh, we've discussed this previously. Okay, fine, why, let's just move on then. Why would I wear a hat like you? I have great hair. I said, your hair looks stupid. Anyway... It's great to be here, and I'm very excited about the show. You know, you always say you're excited. Could oh, I you, am. Could you just vary your response occasionally? You're sounding like one of those robots on Westworld. Just once could you say the, per- the show's like probably going to suck. It would be so refreshing. Oh, I, I would <laughs> never say this show might suck. I'm going to have to go ahead and sort of disagree with you there. You know, Spud, that's not the role of a co-host. That is the response of a critic or a hater of the show. But you get my point, right? No. Just don't say the same thing when I introduce you each show. Even artificial intelligence varies what they say occasionally. Uh. Anyway, so I thought I would share on the show what my therapist had to say to me yesterday. As everyone knows, I have a few areas of my life that are off limits, like these sessions, you know, as, as they're supposed to be confidential, but I don't think he's yeah. going to be upset at me because I am the patient, and the rule is he can't repeat what I say in therapy. Yeah, that's right. You know, so anyway, he feels I exhibit cognitive dissonance on a regular basis. I, ha- I had to go look up when I got home what, what it meant, you know? It's one of those fancy mental health words. Yo, oh, yeah. I am quite aware of what cognitive dissonance means. Uh, please don't me- try and upstage me here, okay? Oh. Let me tell the listeners what it means. Uh, the textbook definition is the mental st- stress and discomfort experienced by an individual who holds two or more contradictory beliefs, ideas or values at the same time, performs an action that is contradictory to their beliefs, ideas or values, or is confronted by new information that is contradictory to their beliefs, ideas or values. Courtney, Chloe. Well, that would explain our family's difficulty in understanding what made you tick, Spud. Well. Especially when you were really little. That dissonance thing? 
it's as good a reason as any, I guess. Yeah, you, you know, your definition is essentially correct, Spud. Okay. It was a theory developed by psychologist Leon Festinger. Who? I myself wrote a thesis on this on in my senior year in college at BYU. So it's the right in my wheelhouse. Would you like to know more about it and Mr. Festinger? Hey, I, hey, could, hey, I could uh, prepare. You, you and your hero, Donald Trump, hashtag Mother Russia, uh, oh. prove that no one likes a smarty pants, okay? Don't ever forget the poorly educated. We are an important part of this country. But listen, I'm not ashamed to admit my therapist feels I suffer from this. You know, I, I, I told him I know someone, though, who has a way worst case of this. You. Ouch. Me? Yeah, you. I, I can assure you, I do not display cognitive dissonance in my daily life. It, it, it's not me. It's, it's not who I am. I'll have a hamburger. For which I will gladly pay you Tuesday. I would beg to differ. And no, who no, better no. to diagnose you than a fellow cognitive dissonance guy? That's me. Why are you so afraid to embrace my diagnosis? That is very revealing. Oh, okay, well, first of all, you are not qualified to diagnose anyone. And secondly, How do you know? Well, I sense you're trying to displace your feelings of shame by shifting the focus onto others. Here's the problem. You don't know the history of psychiatry. I do. It's a common practice of those like you. Spud. Really, really. Yeah. Well, nice try, but your denial here of my findings about you reveal a deep-seated sense of self-hatred. It's obvious. Mm. Yes, I too have picked up a bit of self-hate on your part, Gerald. Hmm. I do not hate myself, you guys. I don't hate anyone. Uh -huh. oh, oh, hate might be a strong word. You despise yourself, then. Good call, yo. You know, cognitive dissonance, my therapist said, if unchecked, can cause serious issues with others at home and at work. People tend to distrust others like you as they're confused by your inconsistencies, you know, by being two-faced, I guess is the best way to say it. Now you're calling me two-faced? Yeah, I just said well, it. Well, that's very offensive. I feel I'm transparent in my dealings with others and quite consistent in my values and stated positions. Hell no, you haven't! You know, it's a good thing this show is recorded. As I went back and listened to some of the things you've said on the air over the last couple of years, and there were what? so many examples of cognitive dissonance, my head started hurting. Yeah, well... That is a headache, and I hope you took Tylenol. But I could not be held responsible for your psych your physical maladies. It, it's unfair. Well, maybe, maybe not. But right now, let's talk about something more important. We need to right. bring on our musical guest. Oh, yeah. Who I will be talking to a little later on in the show. Here is a very cool band, Electric No-No.
comes from change It's like we spilled and we are all mixed up again It's just a part of the game It's just a part of the game Oh, 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 oh. A little love can make this world seem This is the Spud Goodman Show. Hey, it's Tom Arnold, and I'm on the freaking Spud Goodman Show. Like, that's a, is that a real thing? That's a thing? There's, that's a name, right? Uh, okay, my career's over. I'm on the Spud Goodman Show.
And I was in the movie True Lies many years ago, and now I'm on the freaking Spud Goodman show. So that's, talk about a drop-off. Oh, boy. Spud, yeah. he's on the line. All right. Are you sure this is not a joke? I mean, Anderson Cooper is a very important man. He, I know. He only talks to presidents and, like, really famous people. Why is he calling into your show, if you don't mind me asking? Well, because I'm sure he's heard of our show, and he has a high degree of respect for me professionally. Uh, I mean, at one time, he did host a, a talk show in addition to his other eight or nine jobs in TV. He's a machine, man. Well, I would just recommend you be on your best behavior. Please do not make any jokes about President Trump. CNN is already in enough trouble for being mean to him. And then you wonder why some people don't like me, folks. <laughs> uh, CNN and Anderson are so fair to everyone. I mean, they all just do their jobs and report the news, the real news. Well, um, you know, what a concept, huh? Even with all those nasty tweets, you know, by Trump about the media, Anderson never loses his cool. He's so suave and polished, kind of like the Cary Grant of news. Well, he obviously was brought up right. Now, I'm not casting stones on your upbringing, but it's clear that discipline was not present in the Goodman family. Well, I, Can I ask, were you ever put on restriction or sent to your room without dinner when you misbehaved? What? I don't think so. My parents were not in the KGB, dude. We had a live and let live agreement, and it worked out fine with me and my sister, as we haven't been to, to prison or even been convicted of a gross misdemeanor. Well, to this point, no. But uh, That's right. Just don't say or do anything that will upset Anderson. Jeez, there's, there'll be no issues. Just put him on before he has to go do a live report somewhere in the world for CNN. Oh, you're right. Here he is. Please welcome Arthur journalist and the go-to news guy at CNN, Anderson Cooper. Thanks much for coming on our show, man. Hey, it's, uh, it's an honor. Thanks so much. Yeah. Well, before we get going here, I want to say your highly acclaimed number one best-selling book, The Rainbow Comes and Goes, A Mother and Son on Life, Love, and Loss, is now available on paperback. So guys, you know, like me and the proletariat can go grab a copy instead of like going to the library. You know, it's, it's not that I can't afford a hard copy, but I mean, now there is no excuse for anyone to not go out and pick up pick, pick up a copy, you know? <laughs> That's good advice. Yeah, absolutely. So this is about as personal of a book as there is out there, in my opinion. You, you covered the most sensitive topics known to any family. I mean, with my mom, we couldn't even talk about French kissing, let alone all the heavy stuff you and your mom eventually dealt with. So uh, <laughs> were the conversations a bit uncomfortable, at least at first? Yeah, you know, look, I think I think there's a lot of people who never really get to know their parents as adults or never get to know them as anything other than your parents. And I think that's a shame. And... and you know, when my, my dad died when I was 10, and there's all these questions I wish I'd been able to ask him. And so when my mom turned 91, I, I started to think, you know, I don't want there to be anything left unsaid between us. So we actually started, I consciously set about, like, having a new kind of conversation with her. And I knew it would be awkward at times, so, and, and because I travel a lot for work, I, I don't know see her. So we did it actually over email, which I, which I would recommend people do. It, it actually huh. down on the awkwardness. And... So I took a year from my mom's 91st birthday to her 92nd birthday, emailing her sometimes every day, sometimes, you know, a couple times a week. Um, but it was basically just kind of asking her questions about her life. And she started asking me questions about my life. And um, and we got to, at the end of the year, we kind of knew each other in a whole new way. And it, and it really changed our relationship and changed our life. And, and that's what the book is. It's really to help encourage other people to, to do the same. My mom has had this incredible life. Um, yeah, I would say so. Yeah. 
Wow. I mean, your mom, Gloria Vanderbilt, was such an icon. How weird was it as a teenager on sleepovers? I mean, she was a fashion goddess, not exactly like most moms who I remember walked around in curlers in the morning. <laughs> yeah, you know, she, uh, she she's pretty down to earth when you actually know her. So uh, that's sort of one, the other thing I wanted people to kind of see in the book is just, you know, I mean, I wouldn't say she's normal, but because I'm not sure any parent really is normal, but or even what normal means, but um, but she's, you know, she's certainly lived an incredible life, and, and, you know, she was born into this really wealthy family. She was taken away from her mother by the New York courts at the height of the Depression uh, oh. in a custody trial that at the time was known as the trial of the century. Um, her aunt took her away from her mother, um, and the courts awarded her to her aunt, and, I mean, just one thing after another uh, throughout her life, and she had incredible relationships with you know, Howard Hughes and Errol Flynn and Frank Sinatra and all these famous people. And so she's lived this, this remarkable life and, and, uh, and is the most kind of optimistic person I know at age 93 now. Wow, that's incredible. Well, you know, I got to say this. I interviewed your good friend and New Year's Eve partner, Kathy Griffin, a while ago, and, and I asked her how pissed you really were when she sprayed your hair a couple bunch, you know, a couple colors live on the air two years ago. Were you really okay with it? Um, you know, nothing she does really pisses me off. Like I, I you know, if you're gonna if you're gonna roll with Kathy, you know she's gonna do stuff to you. So I just kind of roll with it. It was kind of hard to get the stuff out, so that was a little annoying. Yeah. But um, uh, but she's, you know, I think she's she's a trip. She's really funny, and we've become good friends. We've been we've done New Year's Eve together like ten years now. So I'm pretty much ready for just about anything. This year should wrap me in tinfoil because. Tin is the your yeah. anniversary gift. I yeah, guess. yeah. I, I never miss you guys. You're, it's 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 definitely very very uh, compelling television. I sense she's quite good at humiliating <laughs> those she cares for. But anyway, she is. Yeah, she's very good at humiliating both on camera and off. Like I walked, we we she insists on on having dinner before we do the show. Uh, usually the night before, and she tries to invite like everybody who has a New Year's Eve show. So like we were out to do with Ryan Seacrest and. As soon as I walked in the restaurant, she stood up and she started clapping and tried to get other people in the restaurant to clap. And uh, it was, which is, I, I'm the shyest person on the planet, so it's sort of for me that's mortifying. Yeah, I, I can only imagine. Well, for the record, I need to state that I am a hardcore addict of you on CNN. I watch every night and I DVR Rachel Maddow. I just can't get enough of you with the trunk, the, the Trump whack pack, you know? You know, like tr true believer Kaylee McEnany, Jeffrey Reagan Lord, and of course, former Congressman Jack Kingston, too. It's truly must see TV, so how exhausted are you after your shift? How many total martinis does it take to regain your sanity? <laughs> you know, I'm not a big drinker. I, I do have a couple glasses of wine usually, and I like to watch, like, binge watch Narcos to calm me down. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, so... Yeah, but, but, I mean, it's, it's interesting. I mean, they... Um, you know, I mean, I, I sometimes I don't know... I can't tell, you know, with, with a lot of panelists, and, and it's like this for, with some Democratic surrogates as well, if they really believe everything they're saying, or are they just kind of spouting the party line? Um, but, but I do notice, particularly with a lot of the Trump surrogates, you know, I think there's a, uh, my sense is there's a fear that if they say something that Donald Trump doesn't like, because they think he's watching, and very well probably he is, um, that he's going to get annoyed at them. So they t I've noticed the Trump surrogates seem to, you know, defend, defend, defend without ever saying anything critical, which I find frustrating, but because I think if you're a surrogate, you should 
you know, I think it only adds to your legitimacy if if you're not defending everything. Because not, you know, obviously, uh, you know, not everything somebody does is right, whether you're a Republican or a Democrat. Right, 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 for sure. You know, we're discussing cognitive uh, dissonance on this show, but I don't know what the accurate assessment of the hardcore followers is. It's just kind of, it kind of boggles your mind, but, Spud, if I may. Don't put Anderson on the spot here with your snide remarks about our current commander-in-chief. That puts him in an uncomfortable oh. position. He, he must remain neutral. Hey, uh, Anderson, just a second as I'm being interrupted here. What are you whining about? Well, how many times have I had to remind you that Donald Trump is... Hashtag still our president, you know, so please don't question everything he does. His supporters listening are probably about ready to unleash a massive Twitter attack against you. God, that would be so cool. Uh, maybe then people would know who I am. Well, and you can't ask Anderson how many cocktails he consumes in his private life after work. Well, well that's not know. an appropriate question, and it's an invasion of his privacy. Well, excuse me, but I am a talk show host, so I have to ask at least a couple personal questions. People like to know that kind of stuff. Uh, I would have no problem if he asked me how many bottles of Pepto-Bismol I, I consume each week. I mean, I wouldn't tell him the real total, but I would respond with something. I mean, when I say the actual number, it always freaks people out. Yeah, well, I'm amazed Anderson's still on the line with you, Spud. Try and be a little bit more professional. Well, excuse me. Uh, why don't you, like, try and control your annoying sanctimonious attitude and let me finish this thing Sanctum up, okay? All right. Anyway, I know you can't take a position, but, um, you know, I, me personally, I... I it's such an entertaining thing to watch this thing go down, what, what, what we're all witnessing as, as Americans. I feel so guilty, you know, but I really need to go out and do a march or something to ease my shame. I can't be the only one that feels that way. But anyway, um, well, let me ask you this. I was curious, what does your mom think about the whole surreal, surreal political scene, I mean, going down? I mean, I'd love to hear her perspective. Has she talked to you about that? You know, we don't really talk politics because I don't take, you know, I try not to take political positions. I, I don't talk to my friends uh, or, or even my mom about, you know, about politics, frankly, just because it's, first of all, it's kind of unsatisfying to have a conversation with me other than, I mean, I'll, you know, would, just as I would on television in my personal life, you know, I'll recite facts and talk about things which are factual, but I really don't weigh in on, you know, if my friends are spouting off on one candidate or another. I'll listen and I'll ask them questions to kind of understand their positions more, but I do not ever, you know, talk about my position or what what I personally think because it's just not it's not my job. And so I think my mom knows better than to even really go down that road too much. I mean, she'll, you know, I think she's watching very closely, certainly what's going on, and I think she's kind of mystified by a lot of the stuff that's going on right now. Um, but but yeah, she doesn't really. We don't really get into it. All right. That's kind of the downside of your job. You really can't join in on all the fun. All right. Well, let me, I know you got to fly somewhere to cover a disaster or something, so I'm going to let you go. But let me say once again, your book, The Rainbow Comes and Goes, A Mother and Son on Life, Love, and Loss, is now available on paperback everywhere. And if you can't find it, just ask for it. So it's been a real pleasure to speak with you, okay? Hey, good talking to you. Thanks. All right, Mr. Anderson Cooper. This is the Spud Goodman Show. Looks just like the real thing. Hey, Spud, it's what? time for our show's resident psychic, Ted Marr. Are you ready for him? Uh, right this second? Well, yeah, yeah. Well, I guess. You know, you know, the thing I like about talking with Ted is he can tell me all this stuff about, you know, psychic 
psychic stuff. And you are, yeah. And I don't have to pay him because he charges a lot of money for his regular customers. It's pretty cool. I mean, he's a big shot in the psychic world. I have a feeling we're not in Kansas anymore. Yeah, I know. I've read stories about him. Should I do his plug right now? Well, when else would you do it? Yeah, of course, do it. Yeah, okay, right, right. Uh, Ted Mars Out of This World can be heard each Friday, 2 to 4 p.m. on KKNW, 11.50 a.m. in Seattle and on the web. Here he is. Please welcome back to the show our resident psychic, Mr. Ted Marr. How you doing, Ted? Oh, I'm fine, Spud. It's great to talk to you. Excellent. On past programs, you've discussed the presence of evil on Earth in the form of reptilians, those not-nice visitors from other galaxies. Could we get an up-to-date listing of these guys? I will be taking notes here. I, I know you've identified Dick Cheney, which is a no-brainer. How about Kanye West? He married in, you know, to a for-sure reptilian family, the Kardashians. Is he on one? Is he one now? I don't I might explain a whole lot about his rantings. What do you think? Well, actually, I think this uh, poor fellow is actually controlled by the, by the reptilians through a series of implants. Yeah. But you have, you have to remember that they're on their way out. They're slowly getting kicked off the planet, um, and um, they're part of what's called a, what's considered a, an experiment in evil of evil here on planet Earth. And that experiment now is ending, and that's the good news. Okay, super. Well, what is the kryptonite that will stop reptilians dead? You know, will making fun of them cause them serious emotional harm? Like if we, you know, all went the Don Rickles route, could we neutralize them? You know, can they take a shot? Are they thick-skinned or are they like Donald Trump? One of the best ways to neutralize the the reptilians is to is to have lots of love and lots of laughter. And your show, by making people happy and laughing, is the best medicine against any negativity from the reptilians. And where do these reptilians come from again? I, I'm refresh my memory. Uh, they come from the planet Draco, and um, uh, they um, they are a resource-driven species uh, where they they go to various planets and they try to take them over for resources, and that's what they've tried to do here on Earth, but it's not – they've been stopped by the Galactic Alliance and the um, Supreme Being, and they're not going to be successful. Okay. Um, is it possible to meet a reptilian and persuade them to leave the dark side? You know, sort of that conversion therapy deal. It's worthless with humans, but maybe it could do the trick with these guys. <laughs> well, they will all be, all these negative entities, humans too, and the negative reptilians will be giving a, ch a chance, a choice, whether they want to continue with their negative ways or go into the positive. And I'm hopeful that they will choose the, the positive route. But if they don't, then they'll be totally excluded from the planet. Many of them have already been excluded from the planet. Oh, all right. Hey, Spud. What? Hey, Ted, I'll be back in just a second. What? I feel you're too quick to judge on the effectiveness of conversion therapy. I know a gentleman from my church that was successfully converted from homosexuality to a happy family man. Really? Well, I heard it took a few weeks, but it totally worked. He's back home with his wife now. Well, you might want to wait a few more months before you label it a success. Everything I've read on this topic says, for humans at least, conversion therapy is a joke, all right? No matter what Mike Pence says. I guess we're just going to have to agree to disagree on this. Well, agreeing to disagree is about the only thing we ever agree on. You do know this, right? Anyway, let me get back to Ted. These reptilians fascinate me. Do reptilians eat stuff and have to use the bathroom like us humans? I was just curious. If not, then they have a lot more disposable time available. 
you know, I have to tell you, this is a subject I don't like to talk about, but they do view humans as a food source, much like we look at oh. cattle and chickens as a food source. Oh, that's not super. Okay, yeah. on that note, I think I'll, I'll let you go. So I know you've got you know, <laughs> stuff to do. I, I want to thank you so much, though, for checking in with us. Oh, my pleasure, Spud. It's always wonderful to talk to you. All right, Mr. Ted Marr, our very own resident psychic. Take it easy. Thanks so much, Spud. The excitement continues on the Spud Goodman Radio Show following this brief intermission. Hello, people. This is the Spud Goodman Show. We're shotgun kitchen. Doing a sound check. We have a vocal check. Kristen? We now return to more action-packed thrills and excitement on the Spud Goodman Radio Show. You know, Spud, I cannot let your yes. previous misassessment of me stand without an opportunity to express how wrong you are and, and why. I may not have a Ph.D., but after reading the definition of cognitive dissonance in the dictionary, a seven-year-old would make the same call about you. No. Well, let's take your position on soda. Okay. You must drink, what, maybe five or six Sprites a day, but you won't touch a cola or even a tab. That is so inconsistent. Pop is pop. Uh-uh, not no, really. That, that's a very poor example. I agree with you, Aunt Dorothy. I, I've explained to you so She's many my times. Aunt Dorothy, not yours. Sorry. Those of us in the Mormon church can drink Coke or Pepsi if we wish. Okay, I just okay. refuse to do so. So uh, we do avoid hot drinks with caffeine, though. But y- y- you just won't retain this information. How many times have you tried to get me to take a sip of your Diet Coke? Maybe a couple of hundred at least? Mm, why why do you seem to revel in testing me on this thing? People can't figure me out. They can't process me. I don't expect them to. You can't process me with a normal brain. Hmm. I've wondered that myself, Spud. It does seem like you're testing him. I don't don't know. I I just wanted to see if I could get you to take a sip and see what happened. And it only makes common sense. I'm not saying I expected you to be one of those spontaneous human combustion cases, though that would be so cool to see in person. Seriously, wouldn't you want to see that up close? Oh, yuck. No, that would be tragic. Yeah, but, I mean, come on. It would be very cool to actually watch it happen. Admit it. I I wonder if the clothes are left behind after one of those. Well, I assume they would also disappear. But listen, returning to the the true definition of this psychological condition, I would say Spud Goodman is the poster child for it. I mean, who's more inconsistent than you? I'm Teddy Powers! He's got a point, Spud. You're all over the map in what you say both on and off the air. Yeah, that's, that's called being a dynamic radio personality. Who uh-huh. wants to listen to a talk show host who maintains the same positions on stuff? If you throw a fastball every pitch, it's going to get killed. I just try to be flexible in my position. So, yeah, I may have said on the show how I can't stand watching Dancing with the Stars, but I will admit right now publicly that I may have watched it a few times in the privacy of my apartment. Some men just want to watch the world burn. 
Oh, that is a great example of cognitive dissonance, Spud. You have railed against that show and how it trivializes important dances like the mambo and tango. Yeah, and I continue to feel that, but sometimes I can't stop myself from watching someone like like our new energy department head honcho, Rick Perry, do the bossa nova. It was mesmerizing. <laughs> hmm. Hmm. And what about your stated position on that band Maroon 5? You have called them a fake band who create jingles, not real songs. That's but the correct. last time I was at your apartment, I'm pretty sure I saw Maroon 5 CD sitting on the coffee table. I thought that was somewhat funny. Be funny like I'm a clown, I amuse you. Oh I yeah. Make you laugh. Yeah. Okay. I may own one of their records. Mm -hmm. Sue me. How do you think I make my judgments about stuff? I have to sample the work before I can just, you know, declare it as bogus junk. I, I did buy their CD at a garage sale, but I only paid a quarter, so that mitigates the purchase in my mind. No, that's still a, the true definition of cognitive dissonance, bud. You're really, you're a walking example of this psychological disorder. Uh, uh, oh. Hey, Mr. Sigmund Freud, why don't you just do your job and see if our next guest is ready to go? Yes! And... Uh, yes, Spud, I am being told by the board your next guest, Shep Gordon, is waiting to speak with you. Okay, do you know who this guy is? Well, I've heard of him. Isn't he the guy Mike Myers made that movie about? Yes! I, I read about him in Us Magazine at the dentist office last year. Spud, he's a major player in the entertainment industry. Yeah, I know. I think he lives on Maui when he's not taking meetings in L.A. or New York. Huh. Uh, that Mike Myers movie about his life was pretty cool. Uh, he's the, I guess he was the manager of some big time talent. Well, if, if I remember correctly from that article, he worked with Allison Cooper. Now, was what? she a rock star or a movie star? Alice Cooper was a rock star. Don't tell me you don't know who Alice Cooper is. Come uh, on, that's that's not possible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, of course I do. Now, he has a band that was really popular. The genre, I think, was rock and roll, right? Um, yeah, I guess you could call it that. Anyway, besides musicians, he also reps some superstar chefs. Oh. Those guys nowadays are bigger rock stars than rock stars. I, I sure wish I knew how to cook. Dinner is served. Yeah, you know, my wife Rachel never used to miss Paula Deen's cooking show. Her recipes uh. were maybe a little bit high in calories, but boy, were they tasty. That's the lady who lost her show for saying racist crap, right? Well. You know that lady really needs to increase her daily intake of fruits and vegetables and not deep-fried oranges or lettuce. My wife prefers to believe Paula was misquoted. Uh, I think they had it on tape. Well, it was probably fake news, Spud. Right. <laughs> right. We all know that. You can laugh at me all you want. Just put Shep through, please. Yeah, here he is. Please welcome a showbiz legend who has worn many hats in the entertainment industry, agent, manager, producer, among many other roles, Mr. Shep Gordon. Thanks for coming on our show. Oh, aloha. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Hey, well, besides the highly acclaimed Mike Myers documentary of your life and career, you have a new book out now uh, with the same title, They Call Me Superminch, A Backstage Pass to the Amazing Worlds of Film, Food, and Rock and Roll. From what I know of your life, it must have been really tough deciding what stayed and what had to go, as the book couldn't be like a couple thousand pages long, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was funny. It definitely was a lot more stories in room, but I think I got a lot of stuff in And I think I found the journey for me was to try and find something in all those stories that maybe uh, had a common thread. And um, that's sort of what the exercise did for me. It was great. It's published by Anthony Bourdain, which was a real honor for me, too. Oh, wow, super. Super. Um, yeah. 
you know, another tough call is figuring out what to ask you about your careers. I only have a few minutes here and no, and one would need like a couple hours actually. But let's begin with your relationship with Alice Cooper. Did you sign off on the guillotine thing in his concerts? And maybe what didn't you give the green light to? Maybe like a hamster sacrifice or, what you know? Oh, no, no. There was nothing we could do to be too far out on anything. We, we blew him up in cannons. We used snakes. We told stories. We did anything we could do to irritate parents. But all those, all those things were theatrical and, and, you know, for the most part, very safe yeah. and well, well rehearsed before we took them out. So, but a lot of fun. The guillotine was the, the old um, Harry Blackstone magician's guillotine that we had rebuilt. Oh, super. All right. Well, you also managed Anne Murray. Uh, did, did it uh, do much damage to your mental health going from her show to some of your other rock acts you handled? Because the mind is only so flexible, you know? <laughs> no, for me, it was really the same exercise. How do you take the magic that an artist has that sort of connects them to their audience and, and define it, not compromise it, put it in a picture frame and allow it to get to more people? So whether it was Anne Murray or Alice, it was just a different path, but it was the same set of principles. Okay, all right. Well, you know, you managed uh, many of Hollywood's biggest stars. Which one gave you the biggest headache? You know, it was lovable, but it was really, really high maintenance. Um, I'd say my highest maintenance artist was probably Luther Vandross, but he was a very exacting artist, and um, I, I, I wouldn't. I, I think it was in. It fit with his art. You know, if you listen to his records, every single note is thought out and manufactured. Um, he was very focused, and that's always tough to deal with when someone has a very exact vision of how they want it. But I, a great artist, and I respected him and always tried to bring his vision alive. Well, that, that's surpri- that would surprise some people that Luther would have been your choice. Huh, that's interesting. All right. Um, Say, Spud. Yes, what? what? Did you ever think where your career would be today if you had a manager like Shep Gordon? I mean, he's a living legend, so he, he might have gotten you some big-time position in TV instead of now being in radio hell. Uh, hey, Shep, just give me a second here. I'm good. Well, I had my own cable TV show without a manager, so I haven't done that badly. But you don't anymore. And that's my point. If you had a manager like Shep after your show got canceled, you would have gotten another, probably better job. And not in cable TV. He probably could have gotten you a late night TV job on a network, man. Yeah, he does have that kind of juice in Hollywood. He he could get me a meeting for sure, but I'm not the kind of talent that responds well to being told what to do. You know that, right? Yeah, I understand. But we all have to make compromises for the sake of our careers. Like, I've accepted my fate here on this show. I just have faith that very soon I will be rewarded for my sacrifice and be discovered. You, You know, get my shot at two hosting my own show. Uh, yeah, that's gonna happen. Um, even Shep couldn't get you a gig on a real show. Well, and hey, it's not like I haven't attempted to get a manager or an agent myself, you know? It's not that easy. For years I've been trying, but they all tell me they're not taking on new clients. Or at least, you know, that's what they've told me. Do you think it's a conspiracy? I mean, it could be that. Like I'm being blackballed in the entertainment industry. That would explain a lot. Yeah. That would require a great deal of cooperation for a conspiracy like that to succeed. I don't see how you would merit that kind of effort, Spud. Haven't you seen that movie about that famous Hollywood screenwriter Dalton Trumbo? The guy from Breaking Bad played him. 
Oh, maybe I'm not a suspected communist, but I did vote for Michael Dukakis. Yeah, again, I just don't see it. Only big-time talents get blackballed in the entertainment business. Whatever. And for the record, you don't know for sure that I'm not a victim here, okay? Just let me get back to Shep. I think he has to catch a plane back to Hawaii or something. Hey, man, I'm back. Um... You know, you were the first to bring food and chefs into the world of entertainment. You made Emeril uh, and Wolfgang Puck, among others, uh, actual showbiz stars. Are you a foodie yourself? I am. That's really my passion. I love the culinary arts. I cook three, four nights a week. Um, I'm a groupie of all the great chefs. That's sort of my life. And I, I was very lucky, and there's a lot of people in music business who will feel the same way, so I was able to connect a lot of the chefs and the, and the musical artists and really get across the fact that they're all artists. Right, right. Well, you succeeded. Um, yeah. Um, well, how about yeah, this? Yeah, no, it's been a great success. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, how important today is, is top-of-the-line management for, for an up-and-coming up budding star in film or, or the music biz? <laughs> Just as important as when you were starting out, or have things kind of changed in terms of... Yeah. No, I think, I think you know, it's a, it's a team game, um, and it's always been a team game. So it's just, you need a team to get through the noise. There's a lot of noise out yes, there. Yes. And um, uh, there's very few people I've ever met who can do it on their own. I don't think I've ever met anyone. Uh, is, um, is the approach different it. nowadays with, 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 as you say, the noise? Because with social media and everything else, is, 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 you know, is it, are the basics still there as, as they were when you started? Well, they are, but they're different people. And, you know, in the early days, you needed just over the air radio now you need to also position yourself in spotify and all those alternate things um so much of everything is jockeying for position so you just have to do it with the new media you have to figure out how you get how do you get 15 million people on facebook right instead of how do you get 50, you know how do you get 15 million people to watch a midnight special just different things i remember but same theory Remember Don Kirshner's show. All right, super. Well, let me close with this stock question, but in your case, a real challenge to pick just one. Shep Gordon, what has been your most memorable moment in your career? Just Can you pick out just a one one story? Yeah, easily. Alice, Alice getting in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Oh, ah. all right, super. Yeah, for sure. That's all right. Definitely the most memorable moment. All right, well, everyone needs to check out They Call Me Supermensch, a backstage pass to the amazing world of film, food, and rock and roll. Thank you very, very much for calling into our show. Thank you. Aloha. All right, Mr. Shep Gordon. This is one of radio's most famous musical productions, the program that brings you the music of a nation that loves to sing and whose songs reflect the beauty and romance inherent in its way of life. This is the Spud Goodman Show. Okay, it's musical guest interview time. Say hello to Electric No-No. Gentlemen, it is now time for you to out yourselves publicly here on my show. Could we have a tippity roll, please? Okay. You guys can go ahead and ID yourselves. Uh, Jared. Uh, Dominic. You guys got last names? Jared Cortese. All right, super. Um, so, uh... You know, that didn't take too long because there's only two of you. I, that's, I like that. It's brief and to the point. Well, the last time you were on, you you were called the Jesus Rehab. So for your fans, give us the For Dummies update on what happened with the name change. A falling out with the Holy Ghost? <laughs> I think that's why we had that name in the first place. Okay. 
Catholic boys? Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought so. Yeah. I just felt like it was time for a change. Okay, all right. I like that. Um, so you have a new album out, Rain City Blue, on Big Wawa Records. People need to ask for it at their local record store if they don't see it. Um, it's it's available in, in various forms of media, correct? Uh, j- just digital online. Um, if you go to one of our shows, we'll have uh, some artwork to go along with it, but okay. it's a digital release. Well, they can go to my house and I can dub off some CDs for them. So anyway, <laughs> all right. But I'll give you, you know, I'll give you something, give you the money for it. No problem. Um, so let me ask you this. Um, what does it deal with the actual album? Does it have some rock and roll on it, or do you go off in another direction? Maybe show tune covers or Gregorian chants. What kind of music would people get if they, you know, got a hold of a copy? Well, all of that, of course. Yeah. That, um, it does have rock and roll. We, uh, you know, we're kind of known as like a garage, proggy kind of band, so we didn't want to get too far from that, but we definitely wanted to do something different. Uh, and Dom and I were listening to a lot of Miles Davis and, mm-hmm. you know, uh, his record Kind of Blue. It's definitely one of our favorites. So uh, I have to say it was inspired by that and just that awesome, chill, introspective vibe, but like super poppy and something that everybody can listen to. And we just wanted to make something appropriate for the darker months of the year. Right. Okay, very cool. Well, off the record, do either of you... Uh, Jared, or, or you, Dom, suffer from cognitive dissonance. It, it's not going to go any further, but it seems to be an, an aff- affliction that's more prevalent than, than I was aware of. <laughs> Dom? I, I still don't understand what that means. <laughs> I'll hook you up with my therapist. All right, so what's the name of the, the next song? Uh, this one's called 40 Foot Tall. All right, super. Let's hear it. I tend to walk down roads at sea like there's no end in front of me Just trying to stay up on my feet I'm a bigger man than you think I am My heart is strong just like a thunderous clap My head ain't as thick as you think that it is
This is the Spud Goodman Radio Show. Hi, everyone. This is Olivia Newton-John, and you're on the Spud Goodman Show. Uh, Spud, I'm being told that we have another caller. Now, it's not a celebrity guest, so do you want me to have the interns dump it? Uh, isn't that a question you should have asked me off the air? Oh, uh, sorry. Maybe while the band was playing or something? Now that you said it out loud, what option do I have but to take it? If I don't, I'm just another talk show host. Put him through. If it's a him. Uh, is this Spud? Is this Spud? I, I really need to talk to Spud. Um, you're talking to Spud. No, wait, wait, did, did I just refer to myself in the third person? Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to ask for a waiver on that one. And I, I, no, 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 no. You said it. That's going to cost you five bucks in the cliche jar. Expensive mistake. What? Whatever. I, I'll pay it after we're done here. Caller, uh, what, what do you want? Well, so I've been listening to the show and, and I think you have that cognitive thing all wrong. It's not a psychiatric disorder. There's no law that people can't change their mind on something. With all the political correctness in today's world, I think people need a little flexibility when communicating. Well, you know, that's what I told my therapist, but evidently it's an official disorder. It's like in a book, man. Well, you know, just because something's in a book doesn't make it real. I mean, did the book have pictures? How thick was it? And that's important. Yeah, caller, what's your point here? Yeah, why did you call anyway? Well... I listen to a lot of radio shows. Hey, can you pick up the pace? Michael Savage Dude, on, I try to dragging. check out the touchy-feely shows Jeez, that deal with love and stuff. Me. This is one of those shows, right? Um, no, dude. My name is Spud Goodman, not Delilah. Are you looking for advice with your love life? I am definitely not the guy you want to talk to about that. My track record is not real impressive. Yeah, he's not exaggerating on that topic, caller. Well, I mean, you must know something about love and how not to screw up a relationship. I'm sort of in a bind right now, and I could use some advice. I mean, can't you help me out? I think that this is your way of telling me something. I mean, I, I might know, a, you know, a little tiny bit. Just what's the issue? Is it something that, like a pill could take care of? Spud, that is a very personal question between this caller well, and his doctor. Yeah, but if it was such a private and personal thing, why, why, why do we have penis commercials on TV every five minutes? No, 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 that's not a problem I have. I can assure you of that. Okay. No, my current girlfriend's complaining about, well, I guess it's my fear of intimacy. I thought it was about sex, and like I said, it's not a problem for me at all. Right. But she okay. says I won't let her know, like, the real me. Okay, we know for sure you do not have issues in the bedroom. You don't need to cover that one again, okay? Uh, but regarding that intimacy thingy, I I've heard that myself, you know, from a few women in my life. I guess it's kind of important to them. Hmm. You know, it's the foundation of any successful marriage, guys. A man has no. to allow his partner comes. access to his true inner self. Okay. Remove the barriers that prevent this. Maybe, but it's... It, it sounds so like a romance novel, though Though a few of them aren't really that lame as there's a ton of softcore stuff in some of them. I'm just saying. Well, my girlfriend says I tell her I love her, but she also says I don't show it in my behavior because she feels I tend to ignore her during baseball season. I've got the MLB package, so I watch a lot of games. And, you know, it's football season, of course. Oh, man, I really like college football a lot, but... On Sundays, I mostly just watch the Red Zone and maybe a couple NFL games. 
I always make sure I have a bit of disposable time for her before I have to hit the sack. Hey, caller, it sounds to me that you are saying one thing to your girlfriend, but displaying behavior that's not consistent with what you say is important to you. Tonight, a Kelly File exclusive. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong here, Mr. Temporary Co-host, but is this not the true definition of cognitive dissonance? Well... I think we have a bingo here. I do. No, no, no. I'm not. I'm not yes. dissonant. Okay. Look, look. You're misunderstanding what I'm saying. Here. No, no. I, I you are. Wanna, the, I, you are know, the I, one who does not understand what's going on here. Like I said, I don't know much about relationships, but I am starting to get the hang of this cognitive dissonance epidemic. I never knew that it was this widespread until this show. Uh, I guess it's like the flu, and it's spreading like wildfire. You know, I think I gotta go. I was hoping you'd help me, but I feel like I'm talking to my girlfriend. If you put water on plants, they grow. Well, I've never seen no plants grow out of no toilet. Um, you know, you might think about, hey, guy, are you still there, caller? You might think about unhooking from all media for a while, too, if you, you know, ever want to have sex again with a live woman. That's just my two cents. Bye. All right. I think he's gone. Okay, before we put this cognitive dissonance issue to bed, I, I think we... You know, I should point out that you yourself are a nonstop display of inconsistencies, okay? Me? You are quick to point out my occasional, very rare examples, uh, uh, you know, of this, but how do you explain your love of comedian Whitney Cummings? She's been on our show a couple times, and I could I could just tell you really, really wanted to get her contact information. I know you have a crush on her, okay? It was obvious from looking at you when I was speaking with her. I, I mean, you look like a jealous high school kid. That's so hot. I most certainly do not have a crush on Whitney Cummings, and I was not jealous when you interviewed her. Sure, I would have love to speak with her as I do find her quite personable and attractive too right I I heard you tell your wife on the phone after the show that you know that she was boring and and you didn't care for her but that was such a lie but it's okay to lust after a guest right I've had a thing for Ed Asner for years but I was able to keep my emotions in check when you interviewed him Uh, was that a couple of weeks ago Spud Um, I did notice you perk up a bit when I when yes, I said he was going to be on, but that would not be a case of cognitive dissonance, and you know, and, my, and neither would my feelings for Whitney Cummings. See, I as see I, now as I you you at least admitted it under oath or on the air that you have what? a thing for her. I know your wife's listening well, probably right now, so it's a good thing you've chosen to come out with your true feelings. You complete me. It must be liberating for you. You're welcome. But my appreciation of Whitney Cummings' comedic talents are not in question. She's a very funny person. I just reject your insinuation that I have had impure thoughts about her. That would be wrong. I'm a married man. Uh, we have sort of a problem here. Oh, dear. I've had very impure thoughts about Ed Asner. Very impure. Okay, all right. Well, but look... Hey, dude, I'm sure your wife can deal with the fact that you, you know, find other women attractive. It's not like Whitney would take your call or answer an email from you. She has people who screen out pervs who bother her. Well, I I can assure my lovely wife, Rachel, uh, hi, honey, uh, that I have never fantasized about Ms. Cummings or any other woman. You know, people lie a lot, so you got to be on your toes. Uh, Okay, so we're getting to a true example of cognitive dissonance. I think that, you know, the psychologist who came up with this condition would enjoy interrogating you for hours. Too bad he's dead. Uh, I'm not at all being inconsistent in my feelings about Whitney Cummings. And I would like for this subject to now be closed. Please help me out here, Spud. No, I'm not. Give me, come on. No, I'm I'm not. I'm not going to call your wife up and rat you out or anything. Rat on your pop? Uh, Kaiser says they will get you. 
All I'm saying is we all need to strive to be consistent in our lives and be aware when we fall short of this. That's all I'm saying. Well, I'll admit to saying I dislike fondue, okay? But sometimes I do break out my fondue maker when everything in the fridge looks, you know, boring or it's expired. Look, if if your wife loves you, she's going to accept your cognitive dissonance too. You're not a robot. It's no big deal. I will not stipulate to having inappropriate thoughts about any guests or any other women on earth. That's ridiculous. I've been consistent about that since the day I took my wedding vows. Okay, I I stand corrected. You are a robot, man. Every human being finds other human beings attractive. It does not mean they act on it. I I know if if I did give you Whitney's contact information, you wouldn't actually fly down to L.A. and ask her out. It's (laughs) jack what you're saying. Well, I once, many years ago, sent a love letter to Peter Falk, but I never got a response. Hollywood stars, it seems, are not that receptive to dating people off the street. I found that out myself. But I really wish this stupid cognitive dissonance topic was never brought up. Well, it did bring you and your wife closer together now that, you know, she knows you a little bit better. Well, so just let me close the show now, uh, if you all don't right. mind. Yeah. <clears throat> I am Spud Goodman. Be all that you can be. And I mean that. God bless and ciao. Bye-bye. Once again, here is Electric No-No. The Spud Goodman Show is produced by David Brenneman of Rosedale Audio Productions and recorded at NWCZ Radio. Engineer Mike Renville, executive producer Lori Madsen. Written and directed by Spud Goodman. Production assistants Brian Martin and Trent Patello. Video director T.J. Pite. Original music by Mike Spots and Tom Harmon. On-air talent Rob McGee, David Deere, Derek Schneider, Pam McGee, and Tom Nolan. Copyright 2017 Spud Goodman Productions. David Brenneman speaking. And that's all there is.